So, we're going to kick off a new series today. We're going to go through the book of Proverbs. And I was telling a few of you before we started, if I taught every single verse of Proverbs the way we normally teach, at the pace we normally teach at, we would be here until, you know, next seven years or so. So, uh, we'll, we'll do this a little bit differently. I'm going to hit some of the, I'm going to hit some of the themes. I'm going to try not to do some of the redundant themes as much, um, but, but really get us through, then maybe assign a little bit of reading outside of class for us to talk about. But, uh, this book is just an incredible book. It's a book of wisdom. And, and one thing that I really want to make sure that you guys understand as have that backwards. One thing I want to make sure you guys understand is I don't want to sit up here and claim to be a wise man teaching a group of unwise men a book of wisdom. And I'm going to give you a really good example as to why I say that. Fourth uh, of July, just a few days ago, I was there with my family. Uh, I went all out. I live in Logan County, so Logan County is pretty much a war zone, you know, Fourth of July. And I'd gone all out. We, we've been gone the last couple of years during 4th of July. So I, 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 I made a serious investment at Jake's fireworks stand. And, um, and, and I did the wise thing. I put all of my fireworks that I had purchased, about $250 worth of fireworks, all right there together like every sane person does. And then, you know, as, as you know, I've got family and friends and everyone nearby, I do what every good dad does. I buy the sparklers, you know, for the kids. And I proceed to start lighting the sparklers over top of my $250 arsenal of major fireworks. It occurred to me at that moment, you're going to teach Proverbs, the book of wisdom next week. That is what was going through my head. So I am not a wise man teaching a group of unwise men. I am one of one of the many uh, of men seeking wisdom, continually seeking wisdom as we work through Proverbs. Uh, but but I, I want us to come about this a little bit differently. And for us, uh, we have to understand that now is the time for men of wisdom. Now is definitely the time. Uh, if you really think about what's going on around us, there are just so many changes occurring. Uh, just step back for a minute. We've got the demographics of our country are changing very quickly, and there's nothing wrong with that. Just the demographics are changing very quickly. Uh, every 40 years or so in American politics, if you go back and you just look at American political history, about every 40 years, there's some sort of fairly radical change in the major party political structure. Um, I mean, a lot of us can remember, and I say us, I can't remember, I wasn't alive at the time, but I bet there's a few people in here who were. Uh, a lot of us can remember the predominant political party in the South back in the 50s and 60s was which political party? The Democrats, right? What's the predominant political party in the South today? The Republicans, right? So there was, some, there was, a, there was a major shift that occurred uh, around 40 years ago or so uh, that caused a big change in the, the major political party structure. I think there's a very similar shift occurring now from a, from a proportionate size. Uh, the, the political parties that existed 10 years ago do not really exist today. Uh, the, the, the Democratic Party of five years ago is not the Democratic Party of today. The Republican Party of 10 years ago is not the Republican Party of today. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong or indifferent. I'm saying that follows a very normal trend about every four decades or so. There's major turnover in how our, our major party structures uh, coexist or, or are separated. We're seeing that now. 
Uh, I also look at the world, and we are entering a very protectionist era. Uh, it's very odd that we went from a very globalist area, era to a more protectionist area. You, know, you look at Brexit in, in the U.K., Uh, You look at how quickly the open border EU closed its border in the midst of a pandemic, and you see how quickly nationalism, you know, won out over globalism very, very quickly whenever chaos occurred. Uh, You look at one of the major world powers now being China is very protectionist. Uh, You just see a big change from what would have seemed to have been the predominant wisdom of where the world is headed only 15 years ago. All that being said... You, you go more locally, you look at some of our educational models changing. You look at uh, here in the West, uh, the church or, or Christianity maybe not necessarily being the predominant cultural force like it has been throughout the last three or four decades. Uh, you, just, you just see a lot of change. And again, not necessarily bad change. But when you have rapid change like we're experiencing right now, that can feel very chaotic when you're in its midst. And so... I think all of us can probably agree that if we look in the last three months of our country and you look at all the cultural movements, all the things that have happened, there probably hasn't been a lot of sound wisdom on any side of the spectrum. Uh, just lots and lots of rash decisions, just, just reactionary uh, politics, lots of that going on. And we are called to be different than that, right? We are called as Christians to be men of wisdom, men who think through things differently than the reaction to the chaos that we see all around us. So as we go through uh, this study, I want us to really think that way. We are meant to be men of wisdom in a world of chaos. We are meant to be men of order in a society of chaos, right? That is what we're meant to be. And the book of Proverbs is a great book to go to because for centuries, Christian men and women have gone to Proverbs to help us understand how to live in a way of order, how to live in a way of God's wisdom. Uh, As you guys all know, I'm sure, Proverbs is a book of wisdom literature, right? It's meant for this purpose. So we're going to do a bit of an introduction today to the book, uh, to some of the major themes of the book and ways that we really want to make sure we are thinking about this as we really you know, start on this journey through Proverbs. So first thing we want to make sure we understand is, what is a proverb? Right? What actually is this? And as you read Proverbs, you can easily read this just as a bunch of statements of comparisons, you know, just a, a bunch of just kind of fun, high-level um, uh, idioms almost for us to understand. Uh, but that's really not what this is. The Hebrew word for proverb implies something very, very different. It implies something that is much more intense. Uh, it's a learning that is a lot more vigorous, uh, that's more provocative, uh, that's not necessarily straightforward in what it's saying. It's got a deeper meaning to it. I don't want us to read Proverbs and read it like we would read the idioms of Will Rogers, right? And, and nothing against Will Rogers, right? Especially in Oklahoma, I am not bashing Will Rogers. But, but we're, not, we're not just reading some sayings of Will Rogers here, right? We're dealing with something very intense, provocative, thought-provoking. Uh, it's going to be more difficult than that. So with that in mind, I want to start off by reading verses 1 through 6. 
And in verses 1 through 6, we're going we're gonna to pick up on a couple themes. We're going to pick up on the purpose of the book of Proverbs, as well as who it is that this book is meant to appeal to, who it is it's meant to, talk, to teach. So let me read this. It says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction. So this is the purpose, right? To know wisdom and instruction. To understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. I'm going to stop there for just a minute. I really like how verse 6 says this, to understand the words of the wise and their riddles. Uh, Another way you could probably interpret this is by saying to understand the hidden meaning behind the text uh, or to understand the problems, the issues that wise men raise. You know, if you kind of think about the the men of the cities back in, in, in biblical times who would sit at the gates, right? These wise men who would sit at the gates and who would understand justice and equity and that the people would go to for wisdom. You know, just think about those men sitting around discussing problems that wise men raise, seeing through the deeper text. And that's my call for us, is I want to approach this study that way. I want us to make sure that, that we are thinking more deeply, that that we're not going to be content to only understand what is on the surface, right? That we're going to go a deeper level to kind of reveal the mysteries. I remember the very first time that I was, I read a book and I understood that it was saying something more than what I read, right? I I remember that very first time. I was sitting in English class uh, at Deer Creek High School my freshman year and we were reading The Grapes of Wrath. And I remember reading it, and I was like, oh, this whole turtle crossing the road thing is more than just about a turtle crossing the road, right? And, and I had never occurred to me that you could read any piece of literature, and there was these underlying meanings. Uh, I remember my teacher asking me one question in history class my freshman year, and she goes, who do you think wrote this? And I, I, I flipped to the front of my, my history textbook, and I, I found the author of the history textbook, and I said, well, it was James Smith or whoever it was. And, and she scolded me in front of everyone. She goes, you're not thinking deeply enough. Or she, you're not thinking about this. And, and it just hit me that, okay, there's, there's more underlying meaning uh, to text. There, there's things we need to make sure we understand. And, you know, that is something that, that may not be apparent to everybody. As we read through Proverbs, there's going to be stuff there that is, that is under the surface we have to uncover. I remember a friend of mine who is a huge C.S. Lewis fan, and massive C.S. Lewis fan, their favorite book is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, so all the Chronicles of Narnia stories. And he and I were talking about this like two years ago. I mean, he's in his 30s now. And he was just telling me how much he really, really loves that story. And I go, hey, you know that's about Jesus, right? And he goes, what? And I go, I go you know, the whole... Um, the whole storyline where let me see, mute a couple. The whole storyline where you've got the lion, you know, the most powerful force in the jungle, uh, who sacrificially dies on an altar uh, to to redeem people and save them from the evil forces at bay. I go, and then he resurrects and breaks the stone. I go, 
That's, that's a story about Christ. And he had no idea. But, but we see, we've already seen that in the Bible time and time again. I mean, think about our story that we covered in Ruth. Uh, we could have easily read the story of Ruth, and we could, have, we could have gleaned a lot out of it. We could have talked about what it means to love your family self-sacrificially. We could have, we could have talked about what hard work looks like. We could have talked about what mercy looks like to, to be compassionate to the foreigner. Uh, we could have talked about a lot of those things. But Ruth was actually a story about what? It was, it was a story about Christ, right? It was God telling us a thousand years before Christ came, he was telling us the gospel. He was showing it to us, revealing it to us, so that when Christ came, we could look back and see the consistency of God's intentions all throughout. There's that underlying meaning. So I want to dig into that uh, a whole lot here. Uh, to do this well, though, to, to set the scene for the study to come, there's some definitions we need to also understand. And there's a few things that pop out in this initial text uh, that I just want to dig into a little bit. The first thing, and for those of you here in the class, you have handouts. Uh, for those of you guys on Zoom, we're going to cover four words. Uh, we're going to cover the word wisdom, the word knowledge, the word learning, and the word guidance. So wisdom, knowledge, learning, and guidance. Uh, so the first thing is wisdom. And I want to make sure we all understand what wisdom actually means. And I'm going to explain wisdom the way Proverbs explains wisdom. If you go throughout all of Proverbs, wisdom is described on, with a, you know, a few different angles. Uh, the first one, the, more, the most straightforward, is that wisdom is just practical know-how. It's meant to help us be clever, to help us achieve things. It's, it's meant to help us be shrewd, to, to be prudent in our actions, in how we live our life. That practical application of God's knowledge. But we also see wisdom described as this abstract discipline, right? This, this dealing with abstract concepts to help us understand deep theology. So we're going to get into that uh, in Proverbs what Proverbs also teaches us, though, is that wisdom does not come painlessly, right? There will be pain as we obtain wisdom, right? And we, we need to make sure it's not going to come cheap. It involves submission. We're going to see these words like rebuke or re, reproof that's going to accompany the attainment of wisdom as we really get into this. And it also Wisdom implies this ability that we have to have to analyze, to discern, to see behind things. And then as we see behind things, to not just take that knowledge and keep it in our heads, but then to put it into practice. So, so this idea of wisdom is multifaceted and it's active. Whereas knowledge, so if you look in verse 4, you're going to see knowledge pop up. It says, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. And knowledge is more than just knowing things. Knowledge is really shown here as the idea of tying things we understand with our commitment to do something about it. Right. So it's not just puffing us up with understanding. It's tying it with commitment, tying it with obedience. Verse 5, we see the idea of learning. And the idea of learning actually comes from the verb to take, right? So it's something that is very uh, receptive. It's something that you have to grasp. It's something you have to go out and get. And then verse 5 says the word guidance. And guidance comes from the word 
for ropes. Think about, think about ropes on a ship for a second. So ancient, ancient biblical times, you think about uh, how many people were having to sail, how many fishermen you had out on the Sea of Galilee. And this idea of taking the ropes and making sure you knew how to, to steer the ship. Uh, this idea of guidance comes from us as to having the skill, the, the aptitude to be able to navigate that ship through a storm. So if you put all these things together for just a second, I want to reread the purpose of Proverbs and kind of just ad-lib a little bit with some of these definitions. So let me read it this way. It says, To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to take knowledge, to grasp at something you do not understand and be committed to it and give discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in their learning. Let them go and take this information. And the one who, abstain, who understands it, obtain the skill they need to navigate the storms that life is going to come at us, right? So when you read it this way, it's much more action-oriented with a purpose to help us navigate this life that we're in. So if you tie that back just a little bit to all the changes I was talking about earlier, all the societal changes we're dealing with, we need to understand Proverbs as a mechanism to, to help us grasp what we need to know to navigate through the storm of life that we may find ourselves in. Does that make sense? Okay. So then... The text is, gonna, is going to pivot, or, or within the text, it's going to help us also understand who these Proverbs are meant for. And there's really four people that Proverbs talks about over and over and over again. And those four people, for you guys on Zoom, those four people are going to be the simple, the simple person, the fool, the scoffer, or some of your translations may say the mocker, uh, the scoffer or the mocker, and the wise. So the simple, the fool, the mocker or the scoffer, and the wise. And if you don't understand who these people are, the book of Proverbs is going to be pretty confusing to you. So we're going to take a little detour here, and I'm going to try not to offend anyone in this class, but I need some volunteers. So the first thing I need is I need somebody under the age of 40 in this class. Who could that be? Hey, Josh, uh, come on up. So, Josh, I need you to stand in front of Zoom for just a second and just hold this up uh, in front of the camera. So I'm going to read. So as you guys are all looking at Josh and we're understanding what the simple is, I want you, the rest of the time you read Proverbs, when you hear the simple... I want you to thank Josh Klossner. Not because Josh Klossner is simple-minded in any way, but it will help us, you know, have this image in our head. So here's the definition of what we mean when we say simple. Simple and youth are going to be kind of tied hand in hand throughout the book of Proverbs. But it says this, these people are the uninstructed youth who are in danger of being naive, gullible, easily led, and just generally happy the way they are. So think about that, uninstructed, in danger of being easily led astray, gullible, happy, content with what they already understand. The simple. Anyone else want to make Josh Costner stand up here for any longer? You are a great sport. You can feel free to sit that down. I gave you the simple instead of the fool, though, so you should be happy about that. So if we think about the simple, though, for just a second, 
let's put this into context. Let's, let's think about today real, real quick. And, you know, be careful with what you say here, but let's just, we, you can actively say this. Who would we put in this category of the simple right now? People we need to be aware of, and it may be us. Uh, but this idea of someone who's uninstructed youth, in danger, naive, gullible, easily led, happy the way they are. Anyone have any thoughts of people who come to mind as you think that? And I'm not saying, don't call out your neighbor here, you know. Um, yeah, some of the protesters we see, right? The, the first thing that came to my mind, and, and I don't want to get too far down this rabbit trail, but think about the whole Chaz movement thing, the, the autonomous zone movement. I mean, that was just silly. At the end of the day, like, I mean, protests, I love, I love the idea that we can protest in this nation. That is incredible. Uh, that is a principle of which we were founded. But that whole autonomous zone thing, it was absolutely silly, right? I mean, just, just it was, and I watched how many people were led astray with, with the way some of that was being played out and, and the thinking that was occurring. It's very easy when you are not instructed to be led astray. It's very easy to be gullible. There's a reason why youth are so impressionable. There's a reason why, as parents, we're, we care deeply about who our kids hang out with, right? Uh, so you had, it's had to, we have to watch out. But Proverbs was meant for this, these people, you know, the people who are in that zone to help them increase their wisdom, to, to achieve knowledge, to obtain the guidance they need to live a life. But you're going to see the simple referred to. We don't want to be the simple, right? No, and I, I think that's right. I mean, so like as, as a dad raising two kids right now, I have to be both aware that they are very impressionable and aware that, of who will be providing the impressions to them. And so for me, a big goal of mine is to teach my children wisdom so that as they are in that phase, when most of their peers are going to be what we would, Proverbs would consider simple, they are not simple-minded, right? They, they have the ability to think more deeply about what their college professor may be teaching them, right? And, and I hate to say that, I mean, uh, but, but I want my kids to be able to critically think and when they hear something, know how to challenge it uh, or else... They could be easily led astray by, by an influence I probably wouldn't want them being influenced by. The next person we have, and I'm looking for a volunteer, a really good volunteer for this one. Uh, I need somebody to come up here and put a mental image to the fool. So who, who, who wants to be the fool? Oh, Gene Major Duck. Yeah, I, I was I was hoping Major Duck might do the next one, but that's okay. It, it's uh, all right. So Major Duck, you got to stand in front of, of the Zoom camera here. So the fool, and I came really close to making everyone up here actually read these definitions. But the fool, so unwilling to learn, unwilling to learn, or complacent, absolutely complacent in their confidence that everything's going to turn out all right, right. And, and especially when they're willing to turn their back on old truths. So just think about that, unwilling to learn or complacent that everything's going to be okay. Think about the people who just bury their head in the sand whenever things are going around. So you're, you've been a good sport, Major Duck, thank you. So when you thank the fool, thank Major Duck from now on through the rest of uh, Proverbs. <laughs> yeah. so, so I can't tell you... Whenever I was planning this lesson, I couldn't tell you how excited I was for this part of the lesson. Uh, this is like therapy for pastors right here. I mean, it's, it's good stuff. So, 
so I want you to think about the fools. And, and here's, here's, here's a group of people right now that I would actually, I would claim to be fools at the moment. If you think about the idea that these people are unwilling to learn. We've all been fools. We have all been unwilling to learn about something at some point in time. For some reason, uh, we've all been fools. But we got to be careful right now in, in our culture today to be careful to, to not be willing to be quiet, to be slow to speak, quick to listen, and, and know that there may be knowledge that we actually don't have. And, and putting our hands over our ears and burying our heads in the sand is not the way we are called to live. I've got a room full of white guys in here, right? a room full of white guys in here. It would be very easy for us to collectively agree, and I'm not saying we are, but it would be very easy for us to collectively agree that there is absolutely no racial issue in America today. But then you talk to the African-American brothers and sisters in our church who will predominantly tell you there's still an issue today, right? We have to be willing to listen to that. And, and, and so, and I'm not talking about organizations, I'm not talking about protesters, I'm not talking about movements. I'm talking about our brothers and sisters in Christ right next to us, right? Who, who we can trust to be honest and trustworthy, and, and we need to be able to listen to that. So as you think about fools, think about that idea of not being willing to listen, uh, or, or, or not, or, or being completely complacent or confident in only what they already know. Uh, and all is going to be okay with what they already know. It's kind of the idea uh, in the Roman Empire, whenever Rome was about to fall, uh, this, this concept that, well, Rome's been around for so long, Rome can't fall, yet the barbarians are at the gates, right? Uh, putting your hand in the sand and say the barbarians are not going to invade because we're Rome is absolutely foolish, right? The, the idea that America will never, ever have a major threat is foolish, right? All of world history will tell you that. Empires rise, empires fall. So let's not be fools. This next one we have, the scoffer. My, my translation calls it the scoffer. So I need yet another brave volunteer. All right, Marty Delonge. You're going to get a better performance review this year, Marty. All Thank right. You. Thank yeah. You. So Marty Delonge, the scoffer. So here's the idea about a scoffer. This is someone who always has their mouth open rather than their ears open. Think about it that way. Always has their mouth open rather than their ears open. They already know everything already, and they have no need to listen to anyone. They are arrogant, unteachable, and unliked. So think about this. Mouth open, ears closed, arrogant about what they already know. Marty Delonge, everybody, the scoffer. Well done, Marty. Thank you. You can put that down. It's going to be very difficult for me now to actually read the scoffer, think about Marty, because he's such a kind-hearted gentleman, um, but the scoffer. All right, so an idea of a scoffer right now. I bet we've all been scoffers as well, uh, having our mouth open before we put our ears open and being very arrogant about what we already know. Uh, but, but the very first example that came to my mind whenever I thought about scoffers, and I think we've got to be very careful about this, is you could consider 99.8% of all cable news hosts scoffers. I mean, just think about that for a second. No matter which one you're listening to, or if you listen to any of them, I don't listen to any of them, uh, but, but if you listen to Fox News, you're going to find a bunch of scoffers. You listen to CNN, you're going to find a bunch of scoffers. You listen to MSNBC, you're going to find a bunch of scoffers. People, mouth open, ears closed, very arrogant about what they say, and generally, unliked. 
a small percentage who really likes what they hear may actually really like them, but there's a large percentage who do not, right? So, so I just want you to think about that, that idea. We can all easily be scoffers or mockers, however you want to say it, on social media today. Very, very easy for us to fall into this. Uh, but I want you to keep it, as we read the Proverbs, people who have their mouth open rather than their ears. Now, that leads me to my last person, though, uh, that is not actually in the text we're covering today, or as much. Uh, and I apologize, mocker or scoffer was not in the text today, but it's going to come up all throughout Proverbs. But the last one that's in the text today that's covered that will come up is the wise. The wise. And so, well, yeah, everyone, everyone rise. So, so let me, uh, anyone, have a, anyone have a volunteer for the wise? Anyone want to come up here and be the wise? Everyone wants to be like, all right, Brian, come on up. Yeah, because you're not, yeah. I think Brian's a good example of this definition I'm getting ready to give. So, so the wise. So here's what I want you to know about the wise. All I want you to know about the wise, as it's described in Proverbs, is this. Is that they never stop pursuing knowledge. They never stop learning. They never stop seeking guidance. They're always in constant pursuit of wisdom. And this gets back to this whole concept that if you look at the people who continue to increase their knowledge, they normally increase their humility when they do it in the right way because as they increase their knowledge, they have a better understanding of how much they don't know, right? So the wise never wants to stop learning, never wants to stop pursuing wisdom. Does that make sense? The wise and Brian, everybody, thank you very much. So... I've got, a, uh, I've got a, a great friend back in Australia uh, whose mom is in her late 80s and just finished a master's degree, and I just love that. She's always, she is always uh, constantly pursuing a betterment of herself, and, and I think that's a great definition for all of us of the wise because it implies that we're not where we're eventually going to be. And if I could go back and redo my entire education, I would. But the only solace I have, because I've got so many regrets in my own education, uh, but the only solace I have is that education is a lifelong pursuit. Uh, the, the, the striving for wisdom is a lifelong pursuit. It will not stop until our last breath. And so I don't want you to think about the wise as a characteristic of anything other than the, the idea, the humility to continue to pursue that of God's word, the wisdom that comes from God's word. So I'm going to break down just this last foundational concept for today so I don't run too far over time. Uh, But I want to read verse 7 for this. And this will be the first thing we need to dig down just a little bit deep into. Verse 7 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And, and what, what this proverb is helping us try to understand is that God himself is the foundation that everything must be built on. If we are a scientist, we must start with the idea and the reverence to God. If we're a philosopher, we must start with a reverence in a, a, of the truth claim of God, or else we will eventually build something really impressive in our philosophy, but it will crumble because it won't be consistent. If we are an educator, a businessman, a farmer, whatever it may be, we must start with the underlying concept that we must be reverent towards God and his truth or else we're going to build something impressive that will ultimately fall. 
It's not a matter of if, but when. And I bet you've all been there to a certain extent that you've, you've, you've built a life or you've built an education or you've built some sort of skill set that was not built on the foundation of God as the basis of our knowledge, and ultimately it fails. Proverbs, by the nature of how it's written, it assumes that we cannot make sense of this world apart from the knowledge of God as being the foundation. It also assumes that we cannot live a full life, an enjoyable life, without God being at the center. It must all start with that. And so what I want us to try to do is try to approach this understanding in Proverbs as we study it as Habakkuk in chapter 3 instead of Habakkuk in chapter 1. Right? Remember the humility and the vulnerability and the reverence that Habakkuk has in chapter 3 in that prayer to God as compared to maybe how he approached it at the beginning. Same thing with Job. Remember how Job's Job's attitude changes after God speaks to him that final decree. We need to approach our pursuit of wisdom the same way they do at the end, rather than how they do at the beginning. That is, um, if we don't do it that way, if we don't start with God at the center, at the base, we will eventually get to the top and we will realize we are chasing the wrong thing all along. And you've all seen this, whether it be in your own life or in someone else's life, and I know I have. I've seen it time and time again where something that someone thought was a fundamental truth ended up being false and it absolutely destroyed them. I was talking uh, just a minute ago about Jordan Peterson and 12 Rules for Life. And I don't know, has anyone read that book before, uh, Peterson's 12 Rules for Life? Uh, it's very, very popular with, with younger guys. And Jordan Peterson is an incredible, incredible psychologist, genius of a guy, and probably knows his Bible better than most of our church. He's a, I mean, he, he's studied it thoroughly. And in his book, 12 Rules for Life, actually is a book that has been synthesized based on biblical wisdom. Jordan Peterson takes all these lessons from the Bible and then uses them to teach us how to live. And you read that as a Christian, you go, man, this is awesome. Uh, this is, I mean, this is a really good book for practical application of wisdom. But Peterson gets one thing very wrong. See, his view is that the Bible is the the collection, the ultimate collection of the best of the best of human wisdom over the years that has been passed down. Generation after generation has synthesized this wisdom and put it into the form of the Bible to help us understand how to live. And then he then takes that synthesis of human wisdom to then determine how to live the good life, how to live a life of order. What he gets wrong is that he misses the fundamental truth claim that it was actually this wisdom existed before the creation of humans, right? This wisdom existed in God at the foundation of all the earth. And so Peterson will eventually get to the point where everything falls apart because his, his faith in the synthesis of human wisdom will fail him, right? That's where we have to be different. We start with the foundation of God. Everything gets back 
to the fear of the Lord, our reverence for God. It is the beginning of all things. That fear, that reverence that leads us to obedience, that humble submission is the beginning of all things. The beginning of our pursuit of knowledge, the beginning of our pursuit of wisdom. And no matter what we do in our jobs, in our professions, in our lives, we must start there. And that's where we're starting in Proverbs and we'll build off uh, as we continue to go on. Let me pray for us and I'll let you guys get out to lunch. Father, I thank you so much for this group of men. I thank you for their humble attitudes. Uh, we don't know so much. We know, that, we know that there is so much more that we don't know than what we do know. And we're willing to be changed. We don't want to be the fool. We do not want to be simple. We do not want to be the scoffer. We want to be the wise. We want to be slow to speak, quick to hear. We want to we trust that you're going to teach us things that are going to convict us and challenge us. We know that wisdom doesn't come easy, that it's going to be painful. We know that it's going to take us being receptive. It's going to take us desiring to learn. It's not just going to come at us by accident. But we trust in you because we know that it all starts with you. May you guide us in this process so that we may live lives honoring of you in this way and that we may be grown as men of wisdom, spiritual fathers in our church and our community. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. Y'all have a good one.